You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. We're here until, I'm sorry, that's Julian and Chantel. My days are all mixed up. Here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Gordon Damer. I'm still here, Larry. Have no fear. That's a good thing. I was concerned because we're talking Miami tonight, and I was, you know, oh, I was a little God. concerned about you. Do we have to? Just, just we at least little, had a night off just, last night. I didn't have to. I didn't have to think about it publicly. I could just right. keep my thoughts to myself. Yeah, just a little concerned. I was just a little concerned about you. Let me ask you, Larry. You're a little bit older than I am. Thank Do you. Do you ever remember an NFL head coach getting fired mid-game? No, but it could happen tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what the percentages of it ever happening are, but those percentages have never been higher than right now. We we might be witnessing history tonight, Larry. I'll say this. Next season, Jeff Bezos will request that the Chargers are not on Thursday night. What Bezos should do is buy the Chargers. And then at least he could fix part of it. It does feel like the Chargers are on Thursday night a little bit too often, so he could buy the Chargers, fix it. I don't think that anybody really thought that Justin Herbert was the issue with the Chargers, but I think that uh, without him there, you're getting to see that all the problems. I, I do think that there was a lot of, well, you know, if Justin Herbert was that good, they wouldn't be that, this bad. Now you're mm-hmm. getting to see what they look like without – let's remove Justin Herbert from the equation and see what they look like. Man, he should get a raise. And he's <laughs> he making might pretty be good the MVP, now. right? <laughs> At least they won some games. <laughs> Yeah, it looks pretty. And this is a coach, you know, in in Staley that's been on the rumor mill anyway to be out of here. Oh, I mean, after last year? This might set the skids. He might be gone. Yeah, this is is a done deal. Like, when we get to uh, Black Monday, the day after the season ends, he will be the first. I I don't even think it'll take till till Monday. I think it might be Sunday night you'll get the news. They might do it after the game. Yeah. Right after he walks away from Mm -hmm. the podium. It it might be one of those ones where, like, you know, going into the game, this will be his final game as a head coach, like, officially. Like, we all know that it's going. I I don't even know if he makes it to that point. No. And we got uh, another month of games here. I know. Isn't that scary? Another month. Gordon, where's the football season gone? It it flies by in the blink of an eye. Oh, it really does. You know, you get week one, and then all of a sudden you're at, like, week eight. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's week 12. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you're just like, Oh, my God, what's going on? All right, you know what? Since we have Ritzamini at 9.15, Gordon, let's talk about our top stories that we've got. Let's do it. Here on this edition of ESPN New York tonight. Well, you heard it in the update. Jeff Passan says the Dodgers and Tampa Bay is playing Let's Make a Deal. The big ticket there is Tyler Glass now headed to the Dodgers. Gordon, are the Dodgers now becoming more hated than the Yankees? <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't think that they are, but they are going to be that team, clearly, right? The Mets tried to do it last year. It generally doesn't work when you're the team making all the big splash moves. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it doesn't stop teams from trying. They've already got Otani. They're in the Yamamoto sweepstakes. I think you'd have to say at this point they might be the favorites to land Yamamoto, even though we don't really have a lot of information to go on. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they get uh, Tyler Glass now as well. So the Dodgers, it wasn't like that they needed a huge boost in talent, but that's exactly what they've gotten, and uh, they're continuing to make moves. So is Glass now Yamamoto insurance, just in case? I haven't heard anybody say they're out on Yamamoto. It just seems like they're loading up, and they're trying to get as much talent as they can. And, and good for them. Like last year, they kind of scaled back the payroll. We thought that that was just for Otani. But apparently not. No, apparently they were able to get Otani and add some more to their boy. They, I can't if they get Yamamoto. I can't wait to see what their money is going to look like. Their salary is going to be like what? I mean, well, of course, since Otani hooked them up and 
Yeah, but you know, somebody, money, I don't remember still. who it was that brought up the point. Um, but like, like the state of California, I would have to think is going to have an issue with that. Mm. Like you have a yeah, contract and you're not you're not going to be paying. Te- like I don't know. It just seems like there's that's like too big of a loophole. Somebody had to have thought of this before now, yeah. and nobody's able been able to do it before. So I don't know. It just seems. Um, I don't. I don't feel like that's the last we're going to hear about that whole contract and deferred money and all that type of stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, by the way, Mets announced two further additions on their minor league contracts, right-handed Cam Robinson and outfielder Trace Thompson. Yes, the brother of the guy that plays with the Warriors is now a member, a former Dodger, is now a member That's of true. the Mets. Possibly, possibly. He's been invited to spring training to see what's happening. Speaking of the Warriors, Gordon Draymond Green, Warriors GM Mike Dunleavy Jr., and Green's agent Rich Paul of Clutch Sports were expected to meet earlier today to discuss a path of counseling and help for Green to move forward. The league didn't want to put a specific number on the suspension, but allow Green to take time he might need to deal with the challenges he's facing. Uh, he's going to go down, Gordon, as one of the. He's going to go down as one of the most loose cannon NBA players around. I mean, this guy continues to go through this situation, and the Warriors are going to have to make a decision on him. They really are. Yeah. Um, well. Like I always love the idea. Well, they're going to get him counseling. Counseling for what? He's he's a nutcase. Like I don't know that he has a specific. It's it's one thing if you have like a specific issue, mm-hmm. but this is just I think who he is. Yeah, and he's just gotten worse and worse because the punishments have. Um, he, he's kind of been able to skate by because he's been a good player. I, I don't know that. Uh, I think that this is just what this is what you get. It, it's pretty well established what Draymond's brand is. This fits into what that brand is, and uh, you either are going to accept that and accept him, uh, or you're going to finally cut ties with him. Uh, I don't think that they're going to cut ties with him. So the league will suspend him. He'll be out for, I would think, it has to be at least 15 games. It has to be something that sends a, a message. And for somebody who has not gotten the message already... You have to like over. You have to like jump way over the line. It hasn't it? Doesn't have to be like, well, this is about appropriate for the action. No, it has to be way beyond that, so it finally gets the message through. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen either. It's going to be interesting to see how many games and what the Warriors will do when he returns. That's going to be interesting as well. George McGinnis, former ABA and NBA star, died at the age of 73. McGinnis had been hospitalized since suffering a cardiac arrest at his home last week. You know, Gordon, he was almost a Nick back in the day. Sixers actually held his rights, having selected him in the second round of the NBA draft after his second NBA season. Now, when the leagues merged, the Sixers had agreed to trade McGinnis to the Knicks, provided they were able to sign him to a deal, but he decided to stay with the Pacers. Then in 75, McGinnis sued the NBA in an attempt to become a free agent, wound up dropping the suit, signing a six-year deal worth, get this, Gordon, six-year deal. Ready? Mm-hmm. Worth $2.4 million Woof. in 75. Right. Well, Which I mean, is about I, that was, thirty million today. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, back in '75, that was big money, right? I that mean, was huge money. Yeah, huge. Uh, meeting with the Knicks in an attempt to circumvent the league's bylaws, but the then NBA commissioner Larry O'Brien voided the beginning deal with the Knicks, punished the organization, and docked them a first-round pick. The figures the Knicks, the they, don't, they don't get the player, the and they get punished anyway. That's exactly. Even though they didn't get the play. <laughs> right, we're going to punish take that. you anyway. Yeah, we're going to punch you anyway. And, and, yeah. and, and take that with you on mm-hmm. your way there. And, of course, he would go on to team with Dr. J and play for the Philadelphia 76ers. Gordon, he was a guy, you've probably seen video of him, 
who used to shoot the basketball with one hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, not even the. Sometimes he would use the offhand, the left hand, to guide the ball as you as shooters do. Mm-hmm. But for most of the time, he would just take the ball in his right hand and just shoot it. He had an unbelievable touch. He was very strong. Uh, he was quite a player. Quite a player. Uh, I didn't really, you know, I looked NBA. him up a little bit today. It was a little bit before my time. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize he was, I've always heard the name and I've seen mm-hmm. some of the highlight. I didn't realize he was a, as good a scorer as he yeah. was. He led the ABA in scoring one year mm-hmm. um, and, and scored, you know, 25, 26 a game in the early parts of his career. So, um, Condolences to his family. Yep, absolutely. Gordon, a little bit later, we'll talk about the Knicks. They start their West Coast trip with a 117-113 loss to the Jazz. It was not good. I'll just say that. It was not yep, good. That's the it tease. Was not good. It was not good. When we return, we'll turn our attention to the New York Jets as they face the Miami Dolphins in Miami this week. Rich Samini will join us next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Talk a little football, shall we? Let's welcome in in his weekly spot. Rich Samini does a tremendous job covering the Jets for us at ESPN. Rich, Larry, and Gordon, how are you this Thursday evening? Hey, guys. Good to be with you this week again. Coming off a victory for a change. Yeah, how about that? So, so Rich. Shocking. <laughs> how different was the flight deck this week? Not only did you get a win, but offensive player of the week, Zach Wilson? Yeah, that was... Uh... Didn't see that one coming, uh, you know. To his credit, though, played a really good game. Was I, I think it was the best game of his career. It, it only took 32 starts to get there, but uh, you know he had a really good game, uh, especially in the second half. I mean, just the off-platform plays. Uh, then he also showed some patience, checking the ball down to Brees Hall, who's become a big factor in the passing game. And you know, there really is, other than his fumble. You know, there really isn't much to pick on. You know, he completed 75% of his passes. They scored three touchdowns, you know, which is, uh, you know, like a month's worth of touchdowns for the Jets. They scored three touchdowns in the game for the first time this year. And so it was uh, it was an A-plus performance. Rich, was that a one-time performance? Or do you think that something has now clicked? And, and not that all of a sudden he's going to be what the Jets thought he was going to be, but he can be a functioning NFL quarterback now, and, 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 the, and the future, at least for the rest of the season, is brighter than it looked a few weeks ago. Well, that's a really good question, Gordon. Um, you know, he has not shown the ability to put two good games back-to-back in his career. If you, if you look back over the first three years, uh, he has never thrown two touchdown passes in back-to-back games. Um, he's never had a uh, passer rating of 90 or above in back-to-back games. And, and 90 is really not that high a standard in the NFL now, so he has not done that in back-to-back games. So this would be uncharted territory if he were to do it. So based on his track record, I'd say the chances are unlikely. However, Based on talking to teammates and, and based on what I see from my own eyes, he did play with more of a letter rip, nothing to lose mentality in the game. I think he's been knocked around and scuffed up by so much by the media and even maybe by his own coaching staff by getting benched three times that I think he's come to the realization that he doesn't, you know, it's like, like he told some players on the team, like, what's the worst that can happen to me? And what are they going to bench me again? So uh, I think he's gone in with that, you know, screw it type of attitude. 
And maybe it carries over into this Miami game. We'll see. But, you know, his track record suggests that it would be difficult to do two in a row. Rich, does his performance give Nathaniel Hackett more encouragement to free him up to do some things? Or will, or does he still not trust him to a certain extent and will kind of keep him close to the vest? Well, I hope for the Jets' sake, that Hackett learned something out of this game. They came out in the third quarter, and they called pass plays on their first 10 plays. And that's when Wilson got into a really good rhythm. And even Rodgers said that on the McAfee this week. It, w- it wasn't until then that the, uh, the play calls, they started throwing the ball more, that Wilson was able to get into that, into that groove. He's very much a rhythm, rhythm passer. You know, when he gets going a little bit, he could be decent. He also goes the other way. He can he can have prolonged stretches of you know ineffectiveness. So they got him going, and I I would hope that Hackett would take that and bank it and and use it for future game plans. Like hey, let the guy throw. You know what do they have to lose at this point? I mean, the chances of making the playoffs are less than one percent at this point. So have a little fun, you know, and trust the guy to do some uh, do some of the stuff he did on Sunday. Yeah, it seems like he really thrives on like the off-schedule plays, which normally you can't build an offense around off-schedule plays. But as you said, their their playoff odds are less than one percent. They're they're not eliminated, but the chances of them going anywhere really it's it seems like it, it's not realistic. And it seems like with that win that they got last week, it kind of takes some of the pressure off the the possibility of firings at the end of the season. Do you think that they might kind of like loosen the reins and just kind of let him? I don't know, lack of a better word, Zach, let Zach be Zach on Sunday? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I mean, they're playing a better defense. You know, it'll be on the road. You know, Miami has two really good corners in Ramsey and Howard. So it's going to be more difficult for the Jet receivers to to get open. You know, they had, you know, Garrett Wilson was a force against Houston. Houston played a lot of zone. You know, much like the Jets' defense, it's basically the same defense, same coaching tree. They played a lot of zone, and I think that enabled Wilson to get some of both Wilsons to find some openings and, and get connections. But Miami will play a little more man, and they have, you know, those two really good corners, so it's going to force Zach Wilson to go to another option. You know, maybe Tyler Conklin, Conklin gets more. Uh, you know, maybe Brees Hall out of the backfield gets a little more. So the Jets, it's going to be a more difficult situation for the Jets based on the level of competition. But, yeah, I, ho- I hope you would think Hackett would just let her rip, but I, I don't know if that's in his makeup, to be quite honest. Well, one thing, Rich, if he does let it rip early and do something similar, maybe not 10 consecutive pass plays to start the game, but something similar, maybe some up-tempo, that would at least get some folks off the line so they could run the ball a little bit, and that would help save him as well, no? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the next mountain or the Jets' next, uh, you know, valley they have to cross or hurdle they have to clear would be to actually score a touchdown. How about scoring a touchdown on the first drive? You know, that's uh, – I know it's a, it's a foreign concept for them, but, you know, a lot of teams do that. You know, the Jets, like all these West Coast offense teams, script their first 15 plays, and the Jets are seemingly incapable of scoring on the first drive. I mean, last week – was terrible. I mean, it was zero zero at halftime, and it was it was hard to watch. So, I mean, let's see if the Jets could actually come out and dictate the tempo of the game instead of having it dictated to them. You know, that would be a nice change of pace. 
Rich, I know this is asking something that's uh, miles and miles away from right now, but there was a report that the Jets had already decided that they will trade Zach Wilson in the offseason. Do you think in the Jets, in the front office's mind, that they know what their plan is for Zach beyond this year? Yeah, I'm sure they have a pretty good idea what's going to happen. The report came out of one of his hometown newspapers in in Utah, and the Jets uh, did not deny that uh, report. They didn't confirm or deny it, and Sala was kind of cagey talking about it. Uh, I believe that's probably the direction the Jets are deciding to go is to trade him. So um, you know, I don't think it's an op- I don't think it's a fait accompli. I mean, we'll see what happens over these next four games. But in my opinion, I think it would be difficult to bring him back next year. Um, you run the risk of putting him in. The, what if the same situation unfolds? You know, and, and there's an injury to Rodgers, and you have to go to Wilson. And I mean, isn't that the definition of insanity? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. doing something over, over, over and over again if we, you know it doesn't come out well. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll probably trade him. So, in a sense, for these next four games, he's probably playing. Uh, you know, the Jets are hoping he plays well to improve his trade value. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Rich Amini's our guest. Rich, let's talk about this defense. Uh, you know, the defense has played well this year. But last week, we finally got a chance to see them play with a lead, and it was a little different than what we've seen from them play all season. Take me through what you saw from the defense last week and the challenges that they faced this week with or without Tyreek Hill. Yeah, Hill did not practice again. I mean, the Dolphins technically did not practice, but their walkthrough, uh, he was not uh, participating in the walkthrough because of that ankle injury. So last week, I thought was one of the better Jet defensive performances um, you know, a lot of got their hand sticky coverage, got their hands on a lot of passes in the secondary, good pass rush. It was really a complete performance by the defense. Now, I have to put in the disclaimer, you know, uh, you know, they were starting Tank Dell didn't play. You know, Houston's best receiver didn't play. Nico Collins got hurt early in the game and left. So they were playing CJ Stroud was put into a really difficult spot without his two top receivers. So that obviously went helped the Jets immensely, but, you know, they did play a really good game, and I think uh, they were in a little bit of, you know, so it's two good games in a row they played defensively against Atlanta. They played well, but before that, you know, those Miami and Buffalo games, I, th- I think stick in their craw a little bit, and it'll be interesting this week. The weather is supposed to be, looks like it's going to be wet, rainy down in Miami. I think the Jets are really concerned about the Miami running game, just the speed they have in the backfield, the perimeter, running game it got them in the last meeting three weeks ago on black friday you know the dolphins put up some yards on the ground and i think the jets are uh really emphasizing that this week in practice rich uh, what's the state of the offensive line are they going to have the exact same offensive line for two weeks in a row is that is it finally going to happen well, let's not go. Let's not go too far here. We can't have we can't have any continuity. That that would go against the uh, narrative for the, the season. Brand. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think there's a, a good chance. Um, well, you know, Mitchell did not practice today. Uh, he did a little bit. You know, Max Mitchell. Uh, so I think he is very iffy for uh, Sunday. Uh, Carter Warren, I do not expect to play again. And Mitchell, I would say, is iffy right now. So to answer your question, Gordon, uh, they may be going with a different combo this week. I would suspect that they'll go – Billy Turner, I think, will be the next guy up at right tackle. 
and uh, I think they will go with Jake Hansen again at right guard. So, no, I don't – if I had to bet right now, I'd say maybe it, it would be a different combo from last week. Jeez. It's unbelievable. It's crazy, right? I mean, they've, they've started 10 different offensive line combos this year, and uh, it's in several in a row, several weeks in a row, and it's, it's unbelievable. They've started 13 different players on the offensive line, but, you know, they're going against a team in the Dolphins that are, are pretty much in the same situation. They've gone through a ton of offensive line injuries, almost as many as the Jets. They lost their center this week, Connor Williams, to an ACL. So they'll have a new center. And so the Dolphins are not quite to the extent the Jets are at, but they're going through the same, the same deal. Rich, is this the week we possibly see that maybe Dalvin Cook can get a little something going? I mean, he's teased a little bit. He just can't seem to stay on the field long enough to get a rhythm going. This, in hindsight, looks out to not have been a good, a smart move for this, uh, for this Jet team, for his availability this year. No, no. I mean, they, they gave him a good contract, a $7 million contract, and it hasn't worked out that way. Uh, you know, he started the game last week. Um, I, I was surprised to see him out there for the first series. And then I'm thinking, oh, you know, with Brees Hall's ankle injury, maybe this will be kind of the 50-50 split. But you're right. They, they immediately got Brees in there. And Sala said after the game, I asked him about the running back usage. He goes, you know, let's make it clear. This is Brees' team. Brees is a star running back. And he actually – Ran the ball better last week. He had, you know, he averaged, he only got 10 carries, but he did get 40 yards. And the bigger impact, of course, came in the passing game, where I think he set a career high maybe for receiving yards in a game. But, and, and then he ended up getting most of the reps. And Alvin Cook, I think, only played about 18 snaps. So, yeah, Larry, I'd like to say Cook is going to get more, but I, I just don't think that's uh, in the Jets' minds right now. Rich, last one for me. Um, I know Robert Sala was not uh, very uh, informative in regards to uh, Aaron Rodgers' practice schedule this week. Is this basically telling us without telling us that Rodgers is not coming back this year, the fact he's missing these practices? Yeah, I mean, he practiced today. Um, okay. He, you know, I saw – yeah, he definitely – you know, they have a, a schedule where he doesn't go every day. Um, he practiced today on a limited basis. I, I – posted some video. I saw him out there. He seemed to be dropping back and moving well. Haven't seen him move laterally yet, you know, side to side, which of course is really important when you're playing quarterback, especially for the Jets uh, behind that offensive line. But um, I, I think he'll probably practice tomorrow. They have until Wednesday to make a decision on his uh, the 21-day window closes on Wednesday. Uh, I'd still be surprised if he plays at all this year. I, I just think it's a long shot right now. I, I think the Jets are going to allow him to go through this window. And they might even activate him next Wednesday um, and put him on the 53-man roster. That doesn't mean they're going to play him. They can just keep him on the roster, which would allow him to continue to practice with the team and go through what he's going through and essentially kick the can down the road a little bit if they want to active, you know, play him on one of the later games. But I'd still be surprised if that happens. Uh, it's, they're on the verge of mathematical elimination. Uh, if they lose Sunday, I still think they'll actually have it. They won't be eliminated if they lose Sunday. But, I mean, right now it's a 0.4% chance of making the playoffs. I don't know how much lower you can go <laughs> right. without being eliminated. But 
it, it would if they were able to upset Miami Sunday and get to six and eight. Uh, I think that would create some uh, interesting conversation for sure. But I, I still think it's in the best jet interest of the Jets to not play him. And uh, and I think ultimately that's what will happen. He won't play. Rich, safe trip. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Looking forward to that. Take care. Thanks, Rich. Take care. Rich Samini. When we return, we'll turn our attention to the Miami Dolphins. Marcel Luis Jacques, who does a great job covering the Dolphins for us at ESPN, will join us next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. It's time to know your opponent. It's ESPN New York tonight. Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Know your opponent for the New York Jets. It is the Miami Dolphins. Marcel Louis Jacques, who does a great job covering Miami for ESPN, is our guest. Marcel, thanks for joining us. Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer in New York. How are you this evening? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. Marcel, let's start with this. Now, Monday night's loss to Tennessee was a bad one, obviously, especially the play of the offense. But help me out here. Should we look at this as, listen, any offense that loses the likes of Tyreek Hill is going to struggle, or do we have some more serious problems here? I don't think it, it, it's, it's that serious. You know, uh, don't get me wrong. It, it, it was not a good loss. Um, it was an opportunity for, for Miami to really uh, not just stake their claim at the number one seed in the AFC, but also, you know, build a little bit of cushion between themselves and the Buffalo Bills um, in the AFC East. Winning the division is way more important than winning the, the number one overall seed. Tyreek Hill obviously played less than half their offensive snaps, by far the lowest he's played all season. And even Tua Tungabailoa admitted that they struggled a little bit without him. But equally responsible, equally responsible was the absence of four starting offensive linemen. I know it's the time of the year where everybody loves to say, right, like injuries don't matter. Every team has injuries. There's no sympathy, you know, who off the band. But no team is prepared to replace four of its starters on the offensive line. And things aren't going to get much better anytime soon. They're hoping to get Teron Armstead back. Uh, for Sunday's game against the Jets. But Robert Hunt is a long shot. Connor Williams obviously is out for the season, and Isaiah Wynn is probably not coming back this season either. So, you know, contingency plans have to go into place. They have to go take the field with what they, uh, what they have available. But, uh, you know, in the moment, in the moment there Monday night, they were not prepared. Marcel, what's the status of uh, Tyreek Hill? I know he didn't practice. Uh, what, do you think is, what, what do you think happens on Sunday? Do you think he plays? My gut reaction tells me that Tyreek plays, uh, you know, logically, if this was any other player, I would say no. Uh, you know, back-to-back DNPs is not a good sign. Uh, you know, ankle injuries, especially for somebody who whose skill set is so predicated on speed and changing directions quickly. Like any other player, I would say no, but this is Tyreek Hill. Uh, for the past two years, I've watched him, covered him. He hasn't missed a game. Um, whether or not he practices during the week is irrelevant. On game day, he is seemingly always ready. He's a guy who's about as durable as they come, who's been about as durable as they come. And until I sit down in my seat at Hard Rock Stadium in the press box and I look out on the field and number 10 is not in number 10, he's in sweat, I'm not going to believe that he's not playing. So, yeah, I I think they would like for him to get a limited practice in uh, tomorrow on Friday to end the week. Um, but even if he doesn't get that limited session in, I really wouldn't count anything out 
until the words are spoken and he is officially on the inactive list. Marcel, even with the issues that the Dolphins have on the offensive line, and boy, they're facing that defense going to see a Jet team that's had a ton of injuries on their offensive line. So it's going to be interesting as well. The fact that you're able to run the football and had success running the football against the Jets in your first meeting, does that give that offense some cushion to say, well, okay, even if he's not 100%, we still can move the ball and, and put, put points on the board? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if there's any way to attack that Jets defense, it's, it's, it is on the ground. Uh, you know, they're hoping that Devon Achan, who also has not practiced this week, is healthy for Sunday's game. And we've seen what that one-two punch can look like between Achan and Mostert over the past couple of weeks. You know, Jeff Wilson's been kind of oddly phased out of the rotation, but uh, I know he's ready to go if that number, if his number is actually called come Sunday. Uh, but they ran for 151 yards, 158 yards on 31 attempts Sunday, <clears throat> Monday against the Titans. Like they know that whoever's in there at offensive line, like they know that they can run the ball. Um, but running the ball only gets you so far if a defense does not respect your ability to pass and protect the passer, and that is what they struggled to do Monday night. So that still needs to be addressed. But also, you know, all sins are forgiven if Tyree Kill is on the field Sunday. When, when Hill went down uh, in the game against the Titans, I was kind of surprised we did not see more of Jalen Waddell. Um, what, can you, what, what can you tell us about that? It just doesn't feel like that he was as featured as, as you would expect when Hill goes down. Well, I mean, Jalen did lead the team in receiving yards. So, you know, he, he, he was featured to an extent. Um, they also, you know, sprinkled in some Cedric Wilson usage. Uh, no Chase Claypool, surprisingly enough. Uh, we don't usually hear the behind-the-scenes decisions uh, when it comes to those personnel groupings like that. But McDaniel actually told us that Cedric Wilson beat out Chase Claypool for a couple of those snaps throughout the week or during the week. So, you know, I don't know if things will change, if Claypool can find his way onto the field, if Hill is injured. But he's not even beating out Cedric Wilson right now, so I really wouldn't wouldn't hold my breath on Chase Claypool. But uh, Jalen Waddle, you know, if you you look at the past couple of – couple of years 2022 and, and you know 13 14 whatever we are weeks into 2023 there's only eight players in the nfl who have more receiving yards than Jalen waddle so he's not just benefiting off of you know tyree kill you know being a distraction on the other side he was a hundred catch thousand yard receiver before tyree kill got there he's a 1400 yard receiver last season he's on pace for his third straight thousand yard season here in 2023 i think the dolphins are plenty confident that you know this is a guy who can not only run the full route tree, but he's just as liable to just as liable to, you know, take a quick slant to the house as Tyreek Hill is. So I, I think they they don't expect to skip a beat. But you know, in in, in all reality, you know, even the most uh, let's say optimistic Dolphins fan has to admit that this offense is really about it's about Tyreek Hill. It doesn't matter how well Tua Tagovailoa is playing. It doesn't matter how dynamic Jason Waddle is. This offense is about Tyreek Hill and the threat of Tyreek Hill. Even when he doesn't get the ball, all 11 people on the field have to be, you know, have to be aware of where he is on, on, on the field. So without him there, this Dolphins offense is going to have to change. And, you know, quite frankly, it's not something that we've seen Mike McDaniel have to do. Like I said earlier in the conversation, Tyreek Hill has not missed a game since he was traded to the Dolphins. So this is uncharted territory. I wish I could tell you exactly what it's going to look like, man. But we <laughs> – I've never seen it before. Marcel, with that understanding what you've just said, what has 
Coach McDaniels meant to Tua. What what differences have you seen with him as a quarterback since McDaniels has been here? Oh man, as a quarterback, I mean, you see you see the trust. I guess a play caller has in his quarterback. That was a big problem in 2020 and 2021. And, you know, the, the, this narrative um, kind of came about that Tua couldn't throw the ball deep, right? He couldn't push the ball downfield. He didn't have the arm talent. And I, I, I think it was a coaching staff that didn't believe that he could. And so they never called it. This is a, a staff, this is an offensive mind in Mike McDaniel, who, you know, and we're talking just from a football standpoint, who sees a, a, a guy who can throw with accuracy, who can throw with, you know, plus anticipation. And, uh, you know, they call, they dial plays up as such. I mean, there's, they even, I think Tua even has the, the freedom to change plays and call plays at the line of scrimmage. Like, there's full trust in there. And in that trust has created confidence within Tua Tungabailoa. He's a totally different person than you know, kind of the, the hurt dog we saw here in 2021, you know, the last year under Brian Flores. I, I think that was a match made in hell between those two. Uh, they do not, they did not get along. They did, the personality did clash, and Brian Flores, you know, more or less bullied to, uh, uh, you know, when, when those personality clashes did come about. So this is somebody who just kind of knows, He's a little better of a people person than the previous regime. He knows how to get the most out of players, and he's gotten the most out of everybody over these past couple years. Marcel, I know that it's not this team is responsible for the narrative, but there is a narrative that the Dolphins collapse in December. How aware uh, of of that narrative is this group? Super, super aware. Um, These are questions they had to answer as soon as the calendar turned from November to December. Uh, last year's, I mean, five-game losing streak, an absolute collapse. Um, that was a team that was also contending for the one seed. And so, of course, you know, Tua yeah, – I can't even say until Tua got hurt. They were struggling even before Tua's concussions knocked him out of the last two games of the regular season. Uh, it's something that I think, you know, Mike McDaniel and Frank Smith, the offensive coordinator and, uh, and obviously head coach, something that they think this team has gotten past. They think that that hurts. They call it the hurt, the pain from last season has taught them how better to prepare this time of year, what little things you need to focus on, how much you need to go, you know, how far you need to go, that extra mile, what you need to dedicate yourself to in the, in the film room, on the practice field, in the weight room in order to make those, uh, you know, to make those games that could go either way this time of year swing in your favor. So obviously, you know, they still got some explaining to do after, after Monday night's game, uh, I think they felt like they turned the corner there after Washington, and this was a little bit, uh, this, was, this was a little humbling for them on Monday night in their own backyard. Um, but uh, it, it doesn't get much easier than this. I think the Jets are not an easy out with that defense, and if Zach Wilson plays like he did against Houston last week, um, kind of all bets are off when it comes to game green. And then they've got the Cowboys at home, they're at the Ravens, and then they cut the Bills at home. So if they feel like, uh, you know, Monday was a step back or Monday they still have things to figure out about themselves. They better learn it pretty damn quick because uh, winter is coming for Miami. Marcel Luis Jacques is our guest. It's Know Your Opponent here on ESPN New York tonight, 98.7 FM. Uh, Marcel, let's talk about this defense for a second. I mean, when you look at the stats, only two teams have recorded more sacks, but only three teams have blitzed less defensively than the Dolphins this year. What, what has Vic Fangio brought to this defense? 
Well, I mean, it, it, Vic Fangio ha, has brought uh, a creative scheme. He's, he's brought, uh, you know, consistency in the secondary. But it, it's really more about what did Chris Greer, the general manager, bring to this team because he brought Jalen Ramsey in from the Los Angeles Raiders for or Rams for a third-round pick and Hunter, uh, Hunter Long. almost forgot his last name, and Hunter Long. Uh, Jalen Ramsey has been, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to kind of quantify exactly what he has meant to this defense, but beyond like the statistical um, production, he's a coach on the field. Um, he's one of those just like true stars, superstars in the league to where if you look over and you see that guy on the other side of the field and you see this guy is confident, this guy is ready to go. Well then shoot, man, I'm ready to go too. I'm ready to run through a wall too. And that's the kind of bravado that this Dolphins defense has played with over the past couple of months, you know, that between them and the Jets, like, these are two of the best defenses in the NFL over the past, we'll call it, month or two uh, that we're about to see on the field at Hard Rock, Hard Rock Stadium on Sunday. Uh, you know, Vic, obviously it's not perfect. It's, there's been some growing pains. There's been some times where you kind of scratch your head and say, what are you, what, what were you doing there? And I think a lot of people are going to point to uh, point to the final couple drives of the Tennessee game as to, hey, Vic, what was going on there? But he, he's had to deal with some injuries as well. Obviously, Ramsey hasn't played – uh, didn't play for half the season, first half of the season, coming back from meniscus surgery. Jerome Baker, starting inside linebacker, uh, he's on injured reserve. Javon Holland hasn't played the past couple games. Deshaun Elliott's in concussion protocol, so now both safeties are injured right now. So he's had to he's had to operate on the fly. He's had to work on the fly a little bit here um, in his first season in Miami. But I think uh, all in all, uh, this has been more or less the production that they would hope for, um, considering the the assets that they invested in making this defense good, both financially and, you know, whether it's financial, uh, draft picks, coaching decisions, you know, they put a lot of stock into improving this defense, and we're starting to see a big dividends here late in the year. Marcel, last one for me. We've seen that uh, Coach McDaniel, you know, he's got the quirky personality and he, he can turn a joke and, and a funny phrase. Have we seen him have the ability to tear into guys when necessary? Does he have that in his bag? <laughs> yeah, don't let hard knocks fool y'all, man. If he needs to MF somebody, I, we have heard it from the side of the field during training camp, mini camp, whatever. We've heard it before. Uh, this guy, if you, if you ask him about it, he doesn't like to do it. And it's not because, you know, oh, man, like, I don't like to yell. I, don't, I just don't. I'm non-confrontational. No, it's none of that. He doesn't like to do it because he feels like if you yell all the time, it diminishes the impact of when you do it. So if somebody who yells all the time is yelling at you, you learn to tune it out. But if somebody who usually doesn't yell, usually doesn't get hot-headed, if he starts coming at you, then you understand kind of the severity, the gravity of the current situation. So he picks and chooses his spots, but do not get a twisted Mike McDaniel can chew you out if need be. Uh, I think, again, what, what you see on Hard Knocks, what you see on you know TikTok and YouTube and all of that, um, it's fun, and it, it's what makes him unique. But uh, he he is somebody that, you know, he has earned the respect of, of the players in that facility. Marcel, thanks for a couple of minutes. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll talk to you down the line, and happy holidays to you and your family. Absolutely. Same to y'all. Thanks for having me on. All right, you got it. That's Marcel Louis Jacques covers the Dolphins for ESPN down in Miami. 
When we return, we got a lot to hash out here, Gordon. By the way, Gordon, thank you for allowing me to turn away. Here's the only thing that was keeping me on that game, even though it was 28 nothing approaching mm-hmm. the half. I, I turned on the caption because I wanted to see if Al Michaels was going to say something I would remember. Because, you know, he could say anything in this game right now, the way this game is going. Yeah, oh, yeah, he absolutely. might say anything. Right. <laughs> might Bezos say anything. might be the only one still watching. <laughs> we'll come back next on 98.7 ESPN.